Hey, come on, look at the person next to you and say, you sounded so good in worship today. You sounded... <laughs> oh, man, we're glad that you are here, and uh, as you can tell, we are beginning a new series today where we are going through the book of Galatians, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. I want to make mention of just a few things before we get into that. Uh, mission trip meeting is today after this service, and so if you have already registered to go on the trip, uh, we're going to have a time where we're going to meet together just real briefly. If you are interested in going on the trip, it is not too late. Uh, we would love for you to stick around and uh, ask questions, get information, and we would love for you to go on that trip. I, I've seen so many, uh, so many mission trips, um, even the last few years of, as we've gone on mission trips, where it's just a life-changing experience where you get out of your element and you are the hands and feet of Jesus for, uh, for people somewhere else, whether it's in a different country or a different part of our country. And we think it's going to be an awesome time. We believe that uh, God's going to use us in an awesome way. So we want you to be a part of that. Um, the youth, our Impact Youth, are going to the main event in the Dallas area on March the 19th. And so if you have a student, 7th through 12th grade, and you want them to go to that, it's $40. You can register on the app. And uh, all the information is on there so that they can be a part of that. We'd love for them to go. Men's Breakfast is also on that Saturday, March 19th. In February, we didn't have... Uh, a men's breakfast or a ladies event because we had marriage night so we came together and uh, we had an awesome night we were growing in our marriages but we we're going to have a men's breakfast on march 19th right here at the church 8 a.m we'd love for you to be here made new weekend or baptism sunday is march the 20th and if you've given your life to jesus you've uh we believe that your next step is to be water baptized that you would follow in uh follow in jesus's example and his instruction to be water baptized. So you can go on the app or on the website and register to let us know that you're going to be getting baptized. The reason we ask you to do that is just so we can be prepared for you. We want to take all the pressure off. We have a shirt that we want to give you. We want to make sure we have enough towels and we're prepared for, for you. So if you'll just register and let us know, I would highly encourage you, if you've never been water baptized and you are a follower of Jesus, to take that step. Uh, we believe it's a very significant thing. And then the last couple of things here that I want to mention before uh, we talk about um, what's coming up in a few weeks is Pink Impact and Men's Summit. If you are a lady, we want you to go to Pink Impact. It's March 24th and 25th. We do have a limited number of tickets, and I believe there are a handful left. So if you want to go on that trip with the ladies, uh, there have been quite a few already registered to go. We would love for you to go. Just go on the app or on the website and register and uh, get that paid for so that you can be a part of that. And uh, Men's Summit is the same thing. It's uh, a conference where men gather together, and all of this takes place in the Dallas area. It's actually in South Lake, Texas, if you know where that's at. And so we're going to drive down there, ladies in March, men in April. And uh, we're going to have a great time just in fellowship together, but then also learning and growing together, worshiping together. And uh, it's, also, it's always an awesome time when we go. So keep all of that in mind. Um, we do have in your seat today, I want to explain this because uh, this is going to help us out if you can, if you can fill this out. Um, it's what we're calling just a survey or a poll. So uh, we've been talking about Easter the last couple of weeks and uh, we're just believing that God's going to do something significant on Easter Sunday and that lives are going to be changed and it's going to be an awesome time. People are so receptive, so much more receptive of an invitation uh, to come on Easter Sunday. So I would encourage you to invite somebody, invite that person that you've been trying to get to come to church with you or uh, that you've been praying for for so long. But here's what this is going to help us do. Uh, if you'll fill this out, you can fill this out on the back or you can scan the code that's on the front and you can do it digitally on your phone if you prefer to do that. Um, either way, we're going to get it, and you'll drop, if you fill it out in the flesh here, drop it in one of the giving boxes on your way out, and we'll collect those. 
But our service times, we are adding a service for Easter, which has is, is become the norm. If you've been a, a part of our church for any length of time, you know that we do this. We create space because there are more people that show up on Easter Sunday. And so our service times will look a little bit different. There's going to be an 8.30 service, a 10 o'clock service, and an 11.30 service. And what we want from you is just for you to fill that out and let us know, hey, which one would you be most likely to attend on that Sunday and then how many people in your family, what those kids' um, classes would be. You'll see it broken down on there. And uh, that's going to help us be uh, most prepared that we can for Easter Sunday. It'll be a help to us. And then at the bottom, you'll see an opportunity for you to serve on that Sunday. And we have an amazing, amazing opportunity to reach people with the love of Jesus. And uh, we're, just, we're calling for, um, for lack of a better term, all hands on deck, that we would all be prepared to serve in some way to love people, love on kids, um, love on people as they're coming in the door, all of those things on Easter Sunday. And so if you'll fill that out before you leave today, you can drop that off in one of the giving boxes on your way out or scan that QR code and fill it out online. It'll only take you just a few seconds, and that's going to help us be prepared. So thank you in advance for helping us out with that. And today we are beginning a six-week series that's going to lead us up to Easter. You've been hearing about this, where we're going to go through the book of Galatians together. And we did, this, uh, we did this back in the fall where we went through the, the book of Ephesians or the letter uh, to the Ephesians. And so uh, we normally, what we do throughout the year is we uh, are more burden-driven series. And so there'll be messages and series uh, based on a burden that, that the Lord puts on our heart or something that needs to be spoken to or something uh, in Scripture that we base a series around. And then what we felt like the Lord is leading us to do is two or three times a year go through a particular book of the Bible and really just read through it verse by verse and talk about it along the way so that we can better understand God's Word. And here's what I'm encouraging you to do, the same thing we did in the fall, is for you, there are six chapters in the book of Galatians, and there are six days of the week that you are not sitting in this seat. So what we're asking you to do is on Monday through Saturday, read one chapter a day, and the awesome thing is by the time we finish this series, if you start tomorrow you'll have read through the book of Galatians five times, plus us talking about it on the weekend. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to even reveal to you what His Word says as you read it. I think the most important thing that you can do is get in God's Word yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you read something and things jump off the page to you or it's something that you're walking through right now that God's Word speaks directly to that you didn't even know it was there and He wants to speak to you in that way. So, I would encourage you to do that. We're all going to do that together as we go through these weeks. Each week, uh, we'll read through the whole book of Galatians, and then we'll show up on Sunday, and we'll be talking about a specific chapter, and I believe that God's going to do something significant in our lives. So um, as we get started today, uh, as we jump into a book of the Bible, there are some questions that uh, we ask ourselves or that I want to ask you and really answer today. And uh, the first question is this, so we can kind of get some background. When was Galatians written? So if you're, if you're looking at the book of Galatians, or this letter um, would be a better term for it, uh, we know that the book of Galatians was written about 48 A.D. 48 A.D. So this is, this is not too long after, depending on, uh, depending on what you believe and where you stand, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 to, to 15, 16, 17 years after Jesus has died and gone back to heaven. It's somewhere in that time frame, and I know there's differences of opinion as to you know, when we, we went from B.C. to A.D. and what year it actually was that Jesus died. And so uh, we're not going to get into all of that today, but it's somewhere around A.D. 48. And what I found interesting is I did just some simple math because we're in the year 2022. 
And uh, this was actually written 1,974 years ago. And I started thinking about this because a lot of times we just look past details like this. We don't give too much thought to it. Isn't it amazing that a letter that was written 1,974 years ago has somehow been preserved over time, translated from that language to multiple languages all around the world that God could use, that was written under the, whole, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God would use in our lives today in 2022. I mean, isn't it just amazing? Can you, can you think about this? If you were to write a letter that stuck around for 1,974 years and counting, right? I mean... This, this is such a significant thing that God, I mean, it's, it's his word. It's his word. And he was going to make sure that it was preserved and kept intact and that we would be able to read it today. So we know that it was written around 48 AD. Um, who wrote Galatians? As we're going to see in a moment when we read verse 1, we know that it was Paul, the Apostle Paul. And then who was Galatians written to? Um, as Many of these letters you'll see as you go through Philippians and Colossians and, and uh, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and all of these letters that Paul wrote, they were all written to a particular group of people. They were written to believers in different areas where he had planted churches or where there were churches of believers. So this particular one, Paul was writing it. He wrote to the believers in the churches in the province of Galatia, which is why we call it Galatians, is to the Galatian believers. Uh, these were probably the churches that he started on his first missionary journey. So if you go back and you read Acts chapter 13 and 14, you'll read about the missionary journey that Paul is on, and he's going through this region, and he's planting churches, and he's preaching the gospel, and seeing people become disciples of Christ. And so we know that it was probably somewhere uh, along that time frame. Paul is actually, I found this interesting, he's actually more critical in this letter than in any other letter that he wrote. And so as you look through the book of Galatians, it's, it's more of a direct, um, uh, you know, it's more direct than, than a lot of the other letters. It's, it's more correction, if you will, than maybe any of the other letters. And he was uh, critical against what was happening in these believers' churches and what was going on in their lives. And so he's trying to correct some things. And most people believe that this was the first letter that he wrote. And we're going to see in a moment a little timeline um, as we're going through this, to, that I believe uh, proves this point, that it was probably the first letter that he wrote. Um, and the purpose of Galatians, what was the purpose of Galatians? Uh, just a little bit of backdrop. Um, false teachers, as you saw kind of in the bumper video, false teachers, they've convinced the Galatians that they're required to do certain things to be saved. And so Paul has came and he's preached the gospel and Jesus and said, you know, Jesus was crucified and he was buried and he rose again and this is what our faith is built on. And then right after Paul leaves and people come into the church and they're like, you know, I, I picture it this way. They're like, you know, what Paul said was really cool and that's kind of interesting, you know, putting your faith in Jesus. But really what you need to do is all of these things. And so you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to have this and you need to be this and all of these things. And that's how you will be a true Christian. That's how you're really going to be saved. I know what Paul told you, but this is how you're really going to be saved. And so Paul is writing uh, really to correct this teaching that's been going on. And so he comes back behind all of this that's going on, and he writes this letter to say, no, this is not what you're supposed to do, and you need to come back to really what we would call the simple truth of the gospel. And so um, we have a little bit of information about Galatians, and 
I want to just dive in, and we're going to go through verse by verse and read it kind of in some sections and pull some things out that I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today through His Word. So Paul starts off with this greeting, and uh, I want to read verses 1 through 5, and it'll be on the screen here behind me, uh, or you can look in your own Bible or on your device. It says, This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ Himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Uh, A couple of things just in this introduction, if you will. Um, Paul, I love that Paul points out, he says, I'm not appointed by any human authority. But the authority that I have to even write this letter and to do the things that I'm doing is authority that came from God. And that matters. (laughs) Where the authority has come from, it really does matter. And Paul's making the point to say, "This this is not me like being sent by human people or, hey, why don't you go do this? He said, no, I've been called by God to do this. And so I'm writing you this letter. And then he gives us what I think is the bottom line of the whole thing and what he's almost not wasting any time on that he wants to get right to the point, and this is what he says in verse 4, at the very beginning of verse 4, he says, Jesus gave his life for our sins. In other words, I hear Paul saying, here's the bottom line. You need to remember that Jesus gave his life for our sins. And I wonder, is there anybody here today who's thankful that Jesus took your place and took my place and gave his life for my sins? Right? No matter what we've heard no matter what might be going on in the world that we can come back to this simple truth that hey our faith is based on the fact that Jesus took our place and he gave our his life for our sins and so Paul makes this statement in the next two verses that is really direct and to the point and I love the way that this translation says it he says it this way in verse six I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ, you are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. In other words, Paul says, you are following something that is actually fake. And somebody has convinced you that this is actually the truth, and you are turning away from God and following a gospel that somebody is calling the gospel that is not the gospel at all. It's a complete fake thing. And as I was thinking about this, I love that, that Paul, he initially starts off and he says, I am shocked. Anybody ever been shocked by something? You're at work and you're like, I am shocked that that just happened, right? Like, I am blown away that that just took place. And I love that Paul, it's almost like this, I can, I can almost hear it in his voice as he's writing this down and he's maybe reading it back or something. And he's like, I am blown away that you have already turned away from God. You know, and I was, I was thinking about this because he makes the point that you're following after something that pretends to be the good news, but is really not the good news at all. Has anybody ever bought the off-brand of something? <laughs> Expecting it to taste like or to work like the name brand, right? You see this with cereal. You know, you're looking at the cereal and you're like, hmm, it looks the same. It kind of smells the same. Maybe we'll save a little bit of money and we'll get this version of it instead of paying for the original version of it. And, and I was thinking through some of the things that we, uh, we often 
trade in right the name brand for an off brand of something like store bought store brand cereal is not as good as name brand cereal can i get an amen somebody it might look the same you think well they probably put the same ingredients in it but na- but name brand just tastes better than the store brand cereal right and what is store brand as we're talking about store brand stuff it's an attempt by somebody to create something to try to knock off the original. Somebody thought, here's the original, we can figure out what's in this, and we can create our own version of this and sell it. And we'll mark it down a little bit cheaper so that people can get it a little bit cheaper and it'll be more appealing to them. It's not the real thing. It doesn't taste the same, right? I was in, how many of you know that Dollar Tree, our local Dollar Tree, okay? Like if you're in Paris, Texas right now, I know there are people that are listening to this in other places, but if you're in Paris, Texas right now, like our Dollar Tree, if you've been in there lately, they remodeled. And I'm walking through there, and one of the things, right, and it's like, I find this interesting because it's still called Dollar Tree, but it ought to be like a dollar twenty-five tree now because everything went up a quarter, right? It's no longer, everything's not a dollar anymore. It's like a dollar twenty-five, and in other places, it's like a dollar ten. I don't really get all that, but anyway, that's not the point. I was walking through Dollar Tree the other day, and I walked down an, an aisle where things were like $5. And I thought, what is happening? I'm in, I'm in Dollar Tree. And one of the things that I notice as I'm walking through, I look up on the shelf, and there are these earbuds. And this is what I thought to myself, no lie. I thought, there is no way that those $5 earbuds could ever sound as good as Apple's version. I mean, I'm going to come in here and pay for $5 earbuds that are probably not going to stay connected to my phone anyway through Bluetooth because they're just not created and designed with the same thing in mind. And many of us, we're buying these off-brands and these cheaper versions of things, hoping and expecting it to be like the original. Another thing is, like the off-brand or, you know, what the most common one that I've seen is the Equate brand of medicine. How many of you know that the Equate brand of medicine most of the time does not work as well as the name brand medicine? Right? But it's hard. Like my wife will even, if she asks me to stop by the store and get something like, hey, can you go by and get this medicine and don't get the off-brand. <laughs> get like the actual Motrin. You know, like, get the actual Tylenol. Get the actual thing, not the off-brand. And then you walk into the store, and here's what you see. And it looks appealing, because you look up there, and you're like, okay, here's, here's the off-brand. It's four seventy-five, And right next to it, you know, and this is very strategic, but right next to it is the name brand, and it's like nine twenty-five. And so even though you know I should get this one, I'm considering getting this one, because it's almost half the price. But it's not the same. And what I'm trying to get is this picture in your mind that Paul has just planted these churches and he has preached the true gospel. And he leaves and people come in and they're like, oh, you know, what Paul said was really good. It sounds really cool. It sounds really nice. But that's not all there is to it. Paul didn't tell you the whole story. Really, you've got to follow all of our tradition and all the things that we have in the law and all of these regulations. And Paul's writing back to say, no, don't settle for the cheaper version or the fake version of the gospel. And we could even we could say it this way that Christianity and the gospel is not something that you want to trade in for a cheaper substitute that may overpromise but can never deliver. 
If you've tried to live and earn your way, if you've tried to do all of the right things, you have probably been exhausted. It's a cheaper version, it's a knockoff version of the real thing that God, where Jesus says, come to me, like put your faith in me. It's only by his grace and by his blood that we are saved. And these people are coming in and they're teaching something that is not accurate. And this is what Paul is warning these believers of. And then I want to go back to the very beginning of verse number 6 because he says, I am shocked that you are turning away from God so soon. Which when I read that, I think to myself, how soon? I'm shocked that you are turning away from God so soon. I am blown away that it did not take you very long to do this. And I thought, well, how long has it been? And so as I began to study this, it looks like uh, it appears that Paul has planted these churches in about A.D. 47 and 48. And Galatians is written in A.D. 48. I mean, he has just left the church building. And moved on. And it's like people were right behind him. Just, see you later, Paul. You know, we're just going to come in here and teach what we think is actually accurate. And I think that's why Paul says, I'm, I am shocked. I have just left. It has not been that long. And you are already believing something that is a fake gospel when I just preached to you the true gospel. I just told it to you. These believers, they've heard the true gospel of Jesus. And after this short period of time, they've been turning away from the truth to believe something that is a twisted truth. And the Galatians were trading in grace for legalism, which is a rules-based Christianity. The Galatians, they were falling for a lie that there has to be something more for us to do to earn salvation. I mean, can it really be just put your faith in Jesus? Isn't there something else that we have to to do you ever struggle with this in your own life like isn't there more that i need to do in order to be right with god no there are there are things that god has created in advance for you to do that when you stepped into faith in jesus and you stepped onto the team he says all right now there are some things that i want you to accomplish in the earth and i want to lead you and guide you and i have a purpose for your life but it's not the works that get us to the place of salvation it's the works that come after it's because I've put my faith in Jesus, now I'm stepping into everything that God has created for me to do. Not the other way around. Not me. Listen, you can't come to church enough, serve enough, give enough, do anything enough to be made right with God. There's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. It's only by grace through faith that we're saved. And then once we get saved, God has prepared. He's told us in Ephesians, God has prepared things for us to do. He prepared them before we were ever even born. He said, hey, I have something important for this person. I have a purpose for their life. And whenever you stepped into faith in Jesus, then you stepped into that purpose. But it's not the works that save you. It's not enough, there's not enough things that you can do to be made right with God. I hear people sometimes say, well, I need to... I just need to get my life right. You can't get your life right. It's only by the grace of God that you can get your life right. You need to put your faith in Jesus and then allow him to transform you from the inside out and go on this journey that we call sanctification where he is now transforming you on the inside so that the inner reality that we talked about at the beginning of the year begins to come out in your life. It's not about you doing enough. It's about you placing your faith in Jesus. Jesus already did enough. 
There's nothing else that you need to add to what Jesus did. You just have to place your faith in him. And I wonder how many of us have possibly traded in the grace that God offers us through what Jesus did on the cross for legalism and rules and trying to earn our way. We have to continue to mature in our understanding of the word and remember that it's only by grace that we were saved. And we're told this in Ephesians 4, we're told about gifts that Jesus gave to the church and what their ultimate purpose is. Look at this with me, Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 15. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And look at verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. One of my responsibilities is to equip you to do the work of the ministry so that the church can be built up, right? And it's not just my responsibility. God has given, God has, Christ gave these gifts to the church, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and here's what they're called to do, to equip you, to equip the people to do the work of the ministry, and this is going to continue on so that we can be made mature and we're no longer tossed here and fro by all of the teaching. And, well, I heard this on TV and, well, I saw this over here and, well, I read this over here and we're trying to figure out, like, what is actually the truth? No, we would be so grounded in the Word and equipped and so rooted in the Word that we would know a lie when we see it. And this is what, this is what God wants for you. He wants you to be rooted and wants you to be grounded and wants you to, to have all of your faith and all of your hope and all of your trust in Jesus and what he did and then continuing to grow and mature in your faith. And then Paul goes on, verses 8 and 9. Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one that we preach to you. I say it again. What we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. I mean, I have this picture that Paul is letting us know, hey, this is a serious thing. And, let, and in fact, he says it twice in two different ways. Like, let anybody who is preaching anything other than what the true gospel is, let that person be cursed. And not only Paul says this, but we can go back to the Gospels, and I want to show you one place, because how many of you know when Jesus was in the flesh walking on the earth, Jesus said some things. Have you ever read your Bible? Have you read through the Gospels? Have you read through some of the things that Jesus talked about? Have you read some of the ways that Jesus confronted things and religious leaders, and he says some things that sometimes you read it and you're like, hmm, you know, like, mm, that's kind of offensive. <laughs> like, if he said that in 2022, we'd be like, Psh. I mean, like, Jesus said some pretty stern things. And I want to read one of, you, one of them to you. This is Matthew 23 and verse 15. It says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. I'm like, hello, Jesus. 
Like you, cro- you go through all of this trouble to make a convert, and then, you, and then you put all of this on them and tell them that, hey, this is the way, and this is the way, and you've got to follow us and do things the way that we do things. And he says, like, you're, you're turning that person into twice the child of hell that you already are yourselves. I mean, Jesus, and as we would see in Galatians, Paul, they're not playing when it comes to people who are, who are saying things that are not what God sent Jesus to pay the price for. He says, I've already done everything that needs to be done for salvation. And so anybody who's telling you that there is more for you to do, that you need to add to what Jesus did for you, that person is not telling you the true gospel. They're not telling you the whole truth. It's added to. Then we continue on in verse 10, and I want to talk about this for a moment. Paul says, obviously. Somebody say, obviously. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I love this transition word because it's almost like Paul is saying, in light of everything I have just written down, it should be obvious that I'm not trying to please you but that I'm trying to please God. And I love this verse because there are so many of us that are sitting in this room right now that we struggle with this tension in our lives. Paul says, obviously, I'm not trying to, if I was trying to please people, then I would not truly be serving Jesus. And we all, don't we, we all struggle with this tension between pleasing people and serving God. And sometimes God will lead us to do things or lead us on a path or that we'll know what the truth says and then we will we will not talk about things because fear that there will be some people that will be bothered or we will alter what we know we believe because of how it may appear to other people around us well i don't need to seem like i'm as passionate about god around them because they might think that i'm weird and we're just so concerned about pleasing everybody else and paul says i have written down Verses 1 through 9, and I'm bringing you back to the truth, and it's obvious that I'm not trying to please people. I'm not trying to please people. I'm trying to serve God. And he makes this, this, uh, this distinction between pleasing people and serving God. He says, obviously, this is not what I'm trying to do. And I think Paul in essence, is really even saying that if we choose to ultimately do things and make decisions and give in to temptations to please people, that we're not really serving God. And I wonder if there's anybody who's ever felt like the Holy Spirit was leading you to do something and then you started considering. You ever, you ever been here? The Holy Spirit leads you to do something and then you start considering what that's going to look like and how other people are going to process what God has led you to do. It's this tension that many of us deal with probably on a daily basis between pleasing God and pleasing people. And we want to love people well, but we can't live to please people. And here's what I believe to be true, is when you live to please God, you will be led to love people well. If we don't put so much focus on, well, I need to, I need to be over here doing this, and just if we will live to serve and please God, God's not going to lead us to do things that are against his character, that are against his word. When Jesus was walking the earth, somebody said, hey, what, like, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus said, you can sum it all up in this, love God and love people. 
So when you're loving God, you're going to be led to love people. I mean, Jesus said you need to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. So you're going to be led to love people well whenever your focus is on serving God. And Paul, in essence, I mean, we would read this and think, wow, Paul's saying some, some pretty impactful things, some pretty stern things, some pretty direct things. But Paul was being led to love people well because these people were being led astray. They were being led down a path that was not the truth. They were being led into rituals and religion. And he says, I've got I to bring these people back to the truth of the gospel. We continue on with the next several verses, starting in verse 11. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born... God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Paul makes a point to say that he, he used to follow the traditions of his ancestors and the things that he was taught to do. Like, you've got to do this and do this and do this. And he's persecuting Christians. He's persecuting the church. He's persecuting the people that he's now preaching to. And I was thinking about this even in my own life and probably yours as well. You can relate. You ever, have you ever thought about, you ever had this experience where you remember what you came out of? You remember who you used to be. God got a hold, you surrendered your life to Jesus, and now you're not that person anymore, but then, have you ever ran into somebody who's on the same path that you used to be on? And there's almost like an urgency that I have been down that road, and God got a hold of my life, and I surrendered my life to Jesus, and now I'm changed, and now I'm living for Him, and let me tell you, you don't want to go down that road. And Paul's saying, listen, you know who I used to be. You know that I used to do all of the things that I'm telling you right now are the things that are a fake gospel, are the things that I used to tell people that they had to do. I used to be one of them. And now I'm trying to correct this because I have been down that path and I know that that is not the path that you want to go down. And I was picturing this in our lives, how many of us we have encounters where it's like we see somebody that is struggling on the same path or they are in the same addiction that we used to be in or they are living the life that we used to live and now that we're living for Jesus we look at them and we're like wow there's an urgency inside of me that I have got to correct this I have got to help them I have got to share with them that they can place their faith in Jesus and they don't have to continue to live that way and they can come over here with me and we can walk this out together and we can be discipled and we can learn and grow from each other and we can be in God's word there's an urgency Paul says I, I used to be doing that but now I'm trying to correct it because they're trying to bring it back in after I've already preached the true gospel. And after receiving this direct revelation from Jesus about this gospel message, Paul, he doesn't go to confirm his story with other people's stories. He doesn't go to the disciples and like, all right, let's like, what do you, what do you do? And we're going to see he does later, but we're going to get there. 
But right now, he says this, he's making a point, I believe, to say that this did not come from any man. This did not come from anybody. This did not come from me just making this up. I got this straight from the Lord. This was revealed to me by God himself. Paul's making the point that the gospel of Jesus was given directly from God, not by any man, that this isn't a story that he heard from someone. This is not a story that he made up or anyone else made up. This is what was revealed to him by God himself. And then I was asking myself the question I want to ask you, is this really an important point? And to that I would say absolutely. And here's the reason why. The source matters. The source matters. And Paul is saying, I am, I am convinced, I'm trying to convince you that the source of where I'm getting this from is from God himself. And the source actually matters. The source makes all the difference. If you found, think about it this way, if you found a stack of money, let's just imagine you walk out and you, you go to work tomorrow and you just find a stack of money. Everybody's like, I received that in Jesus' name. Doesn't the source matter? I mean, if I find a stack of money, I want to know that this was printed by the Federal Reserve and not somebody's basement, right? Because it makes the difference where it came from. And Paul's trying to make the point that what I, what I am presenting to you right now, what I've already preached to you, what I'm trying to correct in your mind as you're being led astray by this fake gospel, is that this, this came directly from Jesus himself. The source really does matter. If you receive a love note, from the person that you love doesn't it mean more to like doesn't the source matter you want the words that are written in there to be written by the person you love not some guy at hallmark i mean the people at hallmark can write some great stuff but if that's all it is the the source matters the source matters and paul's saying listen this this came from god this didn't come from some man. This didn't come from something I made up. I'm trying to convince you right now. I'm telling you the truth because this was revealed to me by God himself. The source of what you believe matters. I think sometimes people fall away from what they say they believe because they only believe because it's what mom or dad said or how they were raised or what one person said one time or because it sounded like it could be the right thing and then when push comes to shove and things get difficult their house is not built on the rock their house is built on the sand and i only believe like we live in the bible belt where if you ask most people most people would say yeah i'm a christian yeah i'm a christian yeah i'm a christian and to that i would say like what does that mean to you what is the source of behind you saying that you're a christian do you understand what you're claiming like, have you, re have you really had this encounter with God and you put your faith in Him? Or is it just something that, well, like my family's all been Christians and so I'm a Christian. The source matters. In fact, the source really makes all the difference because if this didn't come from God Himself, then everything that we're reading, we might as well just throw it out. The source makes all the difference. When you think about the gospel, you need to identify the source. If the gospel is man-made, then all the promises of eternal life and all these things, I mean, it's like, it's just like fake money. If the gospel is man-made, then, you know, we're free to just tweak it and change it and alter the rules and do whatever we want to do. And like, well, now I think that this looks best and I think that this seems best or whatever. But if the gospel is really from God, and this, and this would be the case as we're reading here where Paul is saying, 
you need to come back to the fact that the source matters and this is actually something that came straight from God, then every promise in the word of God is true and every word is faithful. And if the gospel is from God, then this love that he presents to us is true love and this freedom is true freedom. Listen, Christianity is not about joyless, loveless rules and religions. If it's, about, if it's about joyless, loveless rules and religion and always just doing the right thing and I've got to earn it and I've got to just make sure that I stay right with God, like you can never do enough to just stay right with God. It's the fact that Jesus came and died for you and that all of your sin, past, present, and future, is all under the blood. And because of what he did, you're right with God. And then whenever you step into relationship with Jesus, now you can step into your purpose. You can step into the things that God's created for you to do. Christianity is about what Jesus already did for you and you receiving that to be truly set free and made right with God. And then he finishes up chapter 1 in this way. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem. I got to get to know Peter and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was the people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. I love in chapter 1, there's a couple of places, this is another one, where Paul is almost reminding them of who he used to be. And he says, these these other churches, they don't really even know me, but here's what they're hearing about me. The one that used to persecute us is now preaching the very message that he was persecuting. The same message and the same group of people that he was trying to destroy, now he's preaching that message to everyone. And it says that, and they praised God because of me. Which made me think, that the message that I present with my life and with my words every single day, I want to be able to say this, that when people looked at my life, they praised God because of me. He used to be over here, and now he's living this way. Maybe there's something to that. And they praise God because of me. And I love that Paul points this out a couple of times. He says, listen, I, I was on this path. And I had a life change. And it wasn't just something that I was claiming. I was really changed. And now I'm over here. And I don't want you, listen, I don't want you to fall into the same pattern that I used to be in. Because that's not the truth. It's not the truth. I'm going to bring the worship team back. I want to end today with this story. I read this a couple of weeks ago, and as I was studying in Galatians, I, I think it's a great picture of what we're going to be discussing throughout this series, just kind of condensed into this one little story, and this is what it says. The guy who wrote this, he says, when I was 18, I met a man a few years older than me who insisted that I was not a true Christian because I'd never been baptized after committing my life to Jesus. Not only did I need to be baptized, he insisted, but it had to be by total immersion in water. And even more, I had to be baptized in the name of Jesus based on what Peter says in Acts 2.38. In other words, this guy 
He says, when I was 18 years old, I had a friend that was telling me, you're not a true Christian because you've never been baptized and it's not been by immersion and it's not been in the name of Jesus. In other words, you got it all wrong, so you're not a true believer. And listen to what he goes on and says. He says, later when I was entering high school, or he says before that, I'd been raised in a church that practiced infant baptism and I'd been confirmed. Later when I was entering high school, I'd had a personal conversion experience. But all that was still insufficient in this guy's eyes. I was baptized by immersion when I was 25, but it might have happened much sooner if not for my friend's attitude and convictions. And listen to this. No ritual and no commandment and no good deed of any kind can ever be a prerequisite for salvation because the grace offered to us by Jesus is our only hope. We stand to your feet today as we wrap this up. No ritual, no commandment, no good deed of any kind can ever be a prerequisite for salvation. Here's, here's what I've, I've heard people communicate it in this way before. Well, I've got to get my life right. And I get what they mean. But you don't have the power to get your life right. You don't. If you keep trying to get your life right, you will keep falling back into the same rituals and religion and all of these. You don't have the power. It's only by the Spirit of God. It is only by the grace of God. It is only by the blood of Jesus that, you, that your life can be right. And I think sometimes we get backward and we think, well, I've got to get my life right. So I need to start. And this is what we start doing. It's like, well, I've got to get my life right. I need to get in church. I need to be serving. And I guess I need to start giving, and I need to do all of the things that will make me feel like my life is right. And I think there are some of us that have fallen into that trap. And maybe you remember a season, a time in your life when you were in that place, and then you came to the realization that this is all about the blood of Jesus. This is all about, this is not about what I can do. This is all about what God has already done by sending Jesus to die and take my place. And instead of, instead of trying to get our life right, what we need to do is place our faith in Jesus, and then he begins to transform us from the inside out. And as we walk with him every day, he start, he's working on us. We're going through this process that's called sanctification. We're now saved, but we need to be sanctified. And so we're not like, it's not like we get saved and all of a sudden, like, everything's just. Like, do you remember when you got saved, for all the people that are saved at church today? I mean, was it like an instantaneous thing where it was like, every decision you made was godly and everywhere that you went, it was like, well, I was just being led by the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a process, like, you surrender your life to Jesus and now you walk with him. This is why it's called following Jesus. Not just being a convert, but being a follower. I'm going to follow Jesus, and today, I know that he's working in me today. And I'm hearing him a little bit better today. And I'm seeing this a little bit clearer today. And I'm following a little bit closer today. And I'm understanding a little bit more today. And as time goes on, God is working in you. The Holy Spirit that is on the inside of you, that you receive that salvation, is working inside of you. You've already been changed. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you've already been changed on the inside. We talked about this in our Transform series. There's already an inner reality. Like, you're, you are made whole. You are a new creation. 
The process of sanctification is getting what's already on the inside of you to begin to manifest in your life. That your thoughts are renewed and that your words are renewed and that your your actions begin to look different. All because, not because you're trying to get right with God, but because you already are. And so now we're walking it out. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, they've they've come in and they're trying to make like you need to be circumcised and you need to do this and you need to be you know at church so many times you need to do this and that's how you're going to get your life right when you start following all of the rules and all of the rituals and all the traditions and you get religion religion will wear you out some of us have experienced it before but placing your faith in Jesus his grace will renew you and refresh you. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I mean, constantly Jesus was saying, Jesus, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that Jesus took my place. The punishment that I deserve for my sin so that I can receive his salvation, receive what he did for me, not earn it, receive it. And then he would begin to change me from the inside out as I walk with him. I want to read you these verses and then we're going to sing this song. Because in Acts chapter 15, there's this teaching that's going on that, you know, in many ways what we're reading here in Galatians that the Gentiles needed to follow these rituals of the Jews in order to be saved. So Paul and Barnabas are there, they're disagreeing with this, and there's a meeting that takes place. And after this meeting, Peter stands up and he says this in verse 11. He says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. That we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. And then James, eight verses later, as we have it recorded, James stands up and he makes this statement. He says, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, we should not put all this religion and all this tradition and all these rituals and all these things that they need to do on them to be made right with God. We should not make it difficult for those who are outside of the Jewish community of the time. And we're going to see more of this as we go through the book of Galatians where there was this tension there. But we should not make it difficult for those who are Gentiles who are turning to God. And then John would tell us this, when Jesus is on the cross and his final words, I love this, John records it in John 19, verse 30. It says, when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You know what I hear whenever I, whenever I read this? Every time I read this, where Jesus said, it is finished. Some translations say, it is accomplished. It's done. You know what that means? Everything that needed to happen for you to have relationship with your heavenly father had been accomplished. And when Jesus was raised back to life on the third day, you can be raised back to life with him. But it's only by, it's only by the grace of God. It's only by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. 
And so I want to do this. I want to end in this way. Because here's what I believe as the prayer team's coming. What Jesus did for us through his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection, it's enough. It's enough. He said, it's finished. Not anything needs to be added to it. It's finished. I've accomplished it. And so I have two invitations for you today. The first one is what we do most, most Sundays where we just say, if you need prayer for anything in your life, that when the worship team begins to sing, you can slip out of your seat, come down and let somebody pray for you, somebody agree with you. Here's my, here's my second invitation, and it's specific to what we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks. Maybe you grew up one way, you've believed one way for so long, you have felt this condemnation and this guilt of, I can never do enough, I can never do it right, I've got to keep on earning it, I haven't been in church for the last six weeks, and so I'm not right with God, whatever it is for you. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here today speaking to your heart, saying it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And it's about what Jesus has already done for you. So my invitation is for you, maybe, maybe you've, you've, you've heard it one way, you've lived it one way, and today you're saying, you know what, I want to step into the grace of God. I want to place my faith and my hope and my trust in Him, then what I would encourage you to do, we're not going to pray this right now, but what I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to slip out of your seat and you can just come find somebody down at the front and say, here's where I've been. And they'll be able to talk to you and lead you in a prayer and, sh- and, and communicate to you what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And then you can go on this journey of being sanctified and being you know, changed from the inside out. But today, maybe for you, it starts by placing your faith in Jesus and receiving what he did for you in his death, burial, and resurrection. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, I thank you today for your word. We thank you for, as we talked about at the beginning, for almost 2,000 years, this has been preserved so that we could read it today and know what it means for our lives. And so, Lord, right now, I thank you that God, you've not called us to religion. You've called us to relationship. Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, even those that are watching online right now that are sitting on a couch or standing in their kitchen. Lord, wherever we are at right now, Lord, I pray that you would make yourself known. And maybe we've been wearing ourselves out trying to do all of the right things, and today we just need to step into relationship with you. Step into the purpose that you have for our lives. Step into the good things that you have planned for us to do. And it all begins with relationship. And Lord, I pray for those that are here today that need prayer for anything in their life. Lord, no matter what it is, Lord, I pray for pride to fall right now in Jesus' name. And those that need prayer would receive prayer. As we sing this last song, Holy Spirit, draw every person today who needs prayer for anything in their life in Jesus' name.